0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So Connor, topic number one on the podcast today, is it legal for Tina in accounting to pack heat? We're talking, of course, about guns in public. Supreme Court has said, yes, it is your right to not only have a gun in your home, but also in public. But as with all rights, it's not absolute. Uh, We could return to the theater that's not actually on fire one more time. But You know, we'll we'll move past that. So, where is it okay to pack heat in our society in the light of this new decision? Remember, first there was the Heller decision out of the Supreme Court some years ago. They said it's okay to have a gun at home, and then this year, the Supreme Court in the Bruin case said, "Mm, actually, uh, you've got a right to carry it, uh, not just in your home. New York's law had said that a concealed carry permit uh, application has to show good. proper cause, like a real need for a gun in public. You know, you're a mm-hmm. diamond salesman and everybody knows you're walking around with a hope diamond in your briefcase. Uh, so that's what the Supreme Court grappled with. And they struck down New York's law. But the Supreme Court made it clear, we're not saying guns are absolutely OK everywhere. So where are they not OK? Is it schools or hospitals? Is it Times Square uh, or New Year's Eve? So since the Bruin case, about seven states have reassessed their concealed carry permitting laws. And, you know, they're really kind of testing, uh, pushing the envelope. Uh, what is your take, Or Do you, you think that uh, they're going to be successful in uh, pushing back against the Supreme Court's general approach? I mean, the Supreme Court can't take every, every single case about, OK, no guns in a hospital, no guns in a park, no guns at a school. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, this is a, a,
1: an interesting uh, complicated situation for exactly the the point you just for exactly the reason you just gave that the conservative supermajority supreme court would certainly like in the abstract to have some you know, positive pro-gun rulings and I think we may see some positive pro-gun rulings in uh the the lead up to 2024 as um, the political operatives push things towards the court, and the uh, the Supreme Court responds uh, because, as political animals, they're judges, uh, but they're also human. They're justices. Sorry, no offense meant, but they're also human, and they have their own politics, and they know what's you know good for the Republican Party and the Conservatives. Um, just like the Democrats on the court know exactly what's good for the Democrats. Uh, we'll see some cases in the lead up. The question will be, will there be another earth shattering Heller style case, right? Heller was a, a, a sea change in the way that, that the constitutional um, uh, jurisprudence dealt with guns. We went from uh, guns being something that, you know people had uh, a, a right to, to to bear arms, as described in the, the Second Amendment to the Constitution, well-regulated uh, and, militia. Right, exactly. We had this, this this debate ongoing about what a well-regulated militia meant was a well-regulated militia, the National Guard. Was it state national guard? Was it the Crips and the Bloods? Right. Exactly. Or was it people in their own homes uh, having guns for self-defense? And, and uh, Scalia, Antonin Scalia wrote this, this Heller opinion, and he said, oh, look at the history. The history in this case shows us that the original intent of the drafters of the Constitution was that uh, everybody be packing M-16s uh, in their own homes to stop burglars. And a lot of people have pushed back in, in recent years— uh, in the last decade and a half, uh, so since, uh, since Heller and said, that's not actually what the history says in our opinion. Uh, I think it's very debatable, uh, that that's what the history says. And, and Scalia, you seem to just really like guns and think that conservative politics hinges on people, you know, having, uh, access to, to, uh, to guns and the, 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 the fear that that strikes in the federal government, uh, what little fear that actually is, but some people think it's actually strikes fear of the federal government that, that well, the populace know, it, be armed. It's
0: funny, Connor, that you mentioned the history because that's actually the, the core of the problem with this new Supreme Court decision, Bruin. The not too helpful guideline from their decision is that gun control <laughs> measures must be consistent with, quote, the nation's historical tradition of firearms regulation. Right, And of course, one answer to that is what are you talking about? What is the historical tradition? You get this patchwork. And so now we've got New York now, since the Bruin decision saying, hey, you've got to get in-person training. You've got to disclose your social media accounts and no guns in certain sensitive places. New jersey is considering a requirement to buy liability insurance. So I guess the crunch for me is going to be, you know, we get that not everybody should be able to have a gun. Like you're a crazy person, you're a violent person. OK, look at your social media history and if there's a red flag there. But, you know, for the court to say, here is the rule, you can have it outside the home, except for a few places, the, the legislatures and the lower courts seem to be kind of interested in saying, well, we're not just going to say Times Square on New Year's Eve. We're going to have new conditions for having guns at all. And I, I'm just wondering if the conservative apparatus in the appellate court system at the federal level is going to put up with that.
1: Right. We see as major elections loom in, on, in 2024, there's always an election looming, right? I mean, we just finished midterms in 2022. How can we say that, oh, the next election is looming? But that's the time scale that uh, these, these cases work on because the cases take years to percolate their way upward. Yeah, uh, plus since a a members of the House of Representatives have two-year terms, there's an election always looming. Right, exactly. And so we're seeing that the conservatives have a decision and it is really, truly in the ball is in the conservatives court here uh, to make uh, to make that call. How political do we want the Supreme Court's um, docket to be in the two years between uh, these. Pretty bad, disastrous midterms for them, where Roe v. Wade may well have uh, being overturned may well have spelled, you know, part of the disaster that the Republicans suffered. As Americans said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, you know, you're, you're you're changing things here with power politics, and and it, it it's sort of an inherent contradiction uh, that the that." that Conservatives run into um, frequently when they try to, you know, have activists as judges, as they would describe it, on the uh, the ju- the, ju- uh, the the panel of justices, like the Supreme Court, or even anywhere in, in American politics, when they try to change things in a conservative direction. Their their body politic is somewhat torn. Base conservative idea: the foundational concept behind conservatism is don't change anything. Right? I like the way the status quo uh, benefits me and and mine. I like the way society looks. I like the way things are. And when. Roe v Wade has been the law of the land for decades and there have been decades of there has been decades of precedent supporting it, uh constraining it, sort of moving around it, deciding how things work. Suddenly for the conservatives to say we're changing things that may have really hurt them in the, in our midterms and been part of the explanation for why, you know, our, our most recent midterms went so badly for the off party whereas usually the off party sweeps after the after uh 2 years of a, of, a, of a new president. So so that you know that contradiction is now facing
0: these same justices who no, have to decide: right. do we do we try to change something with a big bullet? Gun. You know what? My guess is my crystal ball is always murky, Connor. But I got a feeling if they're willing to fire that bullet in terms of Roe versus Wade. They got the, the bit in their teeth and I don't I don't think politics is really gonna stop them. Nothing's hey, gonna When stop we come them. back, uh, topic number two is a joke about fondling big breasted women enough to get you fired. You can talk sexual harassment, but first Connor's gonna tell you how to rate and subscribe to too many lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform
1: you prefer. That's probably Apple Podcasts by the numbers. And while you're there, click the join button. But if you're on any other platform, hit subscribe or hit, you know, send this to my inbox every week uh, or hit the five star uh, review and leave a comment because we love every comment. We read each one and we feel great about
0: getting. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oak.
2: Are you in search of deeper meaning in your life? Longing to manifest your true desires and unlock your full potential? Look no further than Portal Mystico Podcast, your gateway to treasure trove of transformative tools, enlightening interviews, and enriching content. I'm your host, Elena Maggio, and it's my heartfelt desire to guide you on this extraordinary journey of self-discovery. And with every episode, I'm passionate about sharing and introducing you to new topics in self-development, metaphysics, astrology, the law of attraction, numerology, interviews that will eliminate your path and fuel your own personal growth. This podcast is your wellspring of inspiration dedicated to help you uncover your purpose with unwavering passion. Together, we'll dive deep into the fascinating topics and explore endless possibilities. Listen to Portal Mystico on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform.
0: And I'm Conor Oaks. topic number two is a joke about fondling big-breasted women enough to get you fired. And, of course, we're talking sexual harassment here. And everybody's been reading about the Apple executive, Tony Blevins. He was uh, 22 years uh, at Apple. He's in charge of procurement. Pretty uh, heavy-duty guy. Uh, he was getting out of his Mercedes one day in a public parking lot. And some TikTok guy goes up to him and asks Uh, hey, what do you do for a living? And the TikTok guy just thought it would be fun to ask a bunch of rich people getting out of, you know, Bentleys and Mercedes Benz's. what do you do for a living? So what did uh, Mr. Blevins say? He said, well, I I race cars, I play golf, I fondle big-breasted women, but I take weekends and major holidays off. Okay, big yuck, medium yuck, you know. Right. The joke, whatever it was, he's now regretting he said that because it went viral. There was a protest. Turns out Connor, and I didn't remember this, even though I've seen the movie, it was a movie decades ago called Arthur, mm. starring Dudley Moore, about a rich, drunk guy. And he had a line in the movie along the lines of, oh, you know, what do I do? And he said something very similar to this guy. So that's where he got it, okay? So he was fired a couple of days later, and now uh, a month or two after that, he's surfacing saying, this is really unfair. And he's really complaining. And I mean, I get it. We're in an era of really... Hypersensitivity, and to some people, uh, degree, it's a good idea to have hypersensitivity to change mindsets, to move past the '50s climate and you know the Mad Men mentality in terms of of women's rights and harassment. But I don't know. The punishment should fit the crime, and sometimes, I mean, this climate of hypersensitivity can make something a crime when it isn't. I mean, if he joked, Connor, about non consensual sex and saying, "Oh, that's funny," I, I could see the reaction. I'm not sure that's really what he meant here when he Clearly, jokingly said he fondled big-breasted women. That doesn't mean that they didn't want it or welcome it. But yeah, what do you think? Did they overreact here? Well, this is certainly an
1: off-color joke, and when somebody sticks a a camera in your face, you have different uh, responsibilities than if you are uh, making a joke. Out of the public eye, uh, as a, as a representative of a major corporation, somebody who, even though he's not wearing an Apple t-shirt at that point, the board of directors, I'm sure, sit, sat him down on a Zoom call, or at least certainly sat each other down on a Zoom call and said, what are we going to do about this now that this has gone uh, so viral? uh, and they they said to themselves and each other, "This is a guy who's so high up and so makes so many millions of dollars that he knows he is always a walking uh, a billboard for Apple. He knows he is always uh, might as well be wearing the t-shirt. And uh, if he's saying something on camera, uh, he knows that that has to reflect uh, the the values um, of our company and 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 all that. So it, the the uh, you know, far be it for me to uh, to uh, tell somebody uh, what jokes are uh, funny or not. I tell unfunny jokes all the time. (laughs) It's a constant parade of people groaning and rolling their eyes and saying, come on. I'm sure every once in a while one lands, Connor. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes. And there are also off-color jokes that I tell that I I realize, you know, in hindsight, oh, that was, uh, you know, uh, 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 Poorly conceived or a, a bad quoted joke. Now Arthur with uh, with Dudley Moore was uh, a, a long time ago, right? And that you know when that movie uh, came out people yeah, were early 80s was way before me too movement you're right right yeah and people weren't using fondle the same word, the same way right people were using i mean you you could say the word fondle this is such a great topic for the pod bon, to be dissecting when and when it's not okay to use Fondle. This is this truly is a too many uh, lawyer yeah, billboard. But, but that's
0: kind of that's kind of what people are faced with in the workplace. Right. And they don't know where the law is going to come down because, like, you know, having worked in an office for decades, a lot of people complained a lot in recent years. You can't give a compliment. You can't tell a joke. Uh, I mean, th- just to very briefly go over the background about where we came. Uh, I mean, Years ago, in the 60s, we didn't have any protection. The 64 Civil Rights Act said no discrimination based on race, sex, religion, and so on, but nothing about sexual harassment. It wasn't until the 70s that there was a first court case about sexual harassment where the court said That's a form of sex discrimination. Then the EEOC had regulations in the 80s. The Supreme Court uh, in the 80s recognized sexual harassment is a violation of the civil rights law. And then into the 21st century, they made it real clear there are two kinds. You can have a a, a harassment by quid pro quo, where the boss says either, you know, you have sex with me or I'll fire you or just a hostile environment. And, And so that's what this comes down to. Uh, I mean, Apple's reaction was this you created a hostile environment, not that you were on the job, but it's just re- really horrible judgment. I worry, though, that Apple's reaction might be a result of kind of wokeness, sort of timidity by a company about fear of losing customers who would read about this guy or angering employees. Whereas, you know, is it really fair? I mean, what about a warning or a suspension as opposed to just saying, hey, thanks for the 22 years you're out of here?
1: Yeah. I mean, what we, that we are specifically talking about a guy who has clearly stepping in this context. You, you, you are the guy, uh, imagine you were, you know, sitting in your Mercedes you know, or your McLaren, a so McLaren supercar. Okay. Right. This is a car that probably costs half a million dollars or more. This is an incredibly expensive piece of machinery. That's why the TikToker runs up to him and says, Hey man, mm-hmm. what do you do for a living? And he doesn't just ask him, Hey man, uh, how did you get this fancy car? He asked him, "Hey man, what do you do for a living?" And the Apple procurement senior executive doesn't say, "I work at Apple Corporation, a family values company that loves the average American and will kiss your baby." <laughs> he right. says, "I bondle big-breasted women for my job." Like that's the joke he's making, right? Is that he said he's saying that, you know, his job is, you know, driving is racing cars and uh, and 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 bachelor nonsense and, and and all this he's saying something about his job he's talking about working at apple incorporated now he's making a joke obviously he's not really but the, that's the the implication being drawn is he's saying you know, or the implication one could easily draw from this is my job as an, exec, an executive of the Apple Corporation is a ridiculous, uh, pointless sinecure where we graft millions of dollars off of the top of hapless consumers who are locked into our uh, proprietary software and hardware. And really, you know, the world runs on Apple and we run the world uh, and we just sit at the top and race cars and, <laughs> and, uh, and cheat our no, own blocks. I hear you. I hear you. It's That's, definitely something... a lot of j-
0: bad judgment
1: if he instead just did an open mic stand-up set where mm-hmm. he said uh you know i got such a great life and i i love to race cars and and, and i i i love that dudley moore movie where he says but it, whatever he you know says on stage in the in the context it because you know when you're on a TikTok video that goes public you know millions viral then you're on stage right you're yeah. talking about you're talking to millions of people and unfortunately uh, he he uh, you know learned the PR lesson that as somebody who is you know always the face of a company especially when you're making a joke not just about your life but about your career yeah, no
0: you're, you're right i mean it's uh, the context is important his judgment was not great but I, I can't resist you know the temptation to keep beating up on apple connor because i mean i think there's hypocrisy there's no surprise the almighty dollar trump's you know what's fair and right when it comes to corporate activity because look at apple being in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. They do massive business there. They would never criticize them. Why is it okay to be business partners with a one billion person slave camp uh, when but it's not okay to let somebody to work in your company who makes this, you know, fairly harmless, innocuous comment? I just don't think you have credibility as a company when you're happy to prop up a vicious authoritarian regime, but won't tolerate a comment that an objective evaluation might put more in the harmless bucket as to the Deplorable bucket, but that's, if, that's just if, my apple rant.
1: If you want to uh, delve into the moral uh, status of uh, relying on uh, slave or somewhat forced or economically coerced labor uh, in other all parts, of, the products I bought through Amazon. Yeah, you and I, I am absolutely on board. We got to change this. Uh, the uh, change this <laughs> podcast name to "Too Many Authoritarian Regimes," and we are going <laughs> to do deep dive- Western companies like Nestle and Apple and every other company, uh, you know, from from your your uh, your your uh, Herman Miller Miller Aeron chair that you stole from your office after your office went remote, uh, No, not you the listener the listener is the thief don't worry don't worry uh dad you're 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 not the thief uh to the the apple iphone that you're you're uh, working on with the conditions in their foxconn compound uh with the protests that have been ongoing for years uh to the 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 hot co- hot chocolate you ate last night that's uh, uh nestle branded let's have that conversation you're right you're Absolutely. right it, it, but I it think might be difficult co- to be we gotta to be comfortable a
0: in life Yeah, exactly. Hey, when we come back, Connor, America's favorite game show. Yes, the verdict. You're going to be presented with the case of the unorthodox lie detector machine. Are you up for this? Oh, yeah. All right. We'll be right back.
2: Are you in search of deeper meaning in your life? Longing to manifest your true desires and unlock your full potential? Look no further than Portal Mystico podcast your gateway to treasure trove of transformative tools enlightening interviews and enriching content I'm your host, Elena Maggio, and it's my heartfelt desire to guide you on this extraordinary journey of self-discovery. And with every episode, I'm passionate about sharing and introducing you to new topics in self-development, metaphysics, astrology, the law of attraction, numerology, interviews that will eliminate your path and fuel your own personal growth. This podcast is your wellspring of inspiration dedicated to help you uncover your purpose with unwavering passion. Together, we'll dive deep into the fascinating topics and explore endless possibilities. Listen to Portal Mystico on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite platform.
0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So it's that time, Connor. Guess the verdict. That's our game show. I give you the facts of the case. You get to guess the outcome. And here we go. We are down in San Diego, okay? A couple of uh, cops there have a suspect. Uh, they tell him, sit down next to this uh, big machine, and they tell him it's a lie detector machine. It's, it's actually a Xerox machine. Or they put a metal salad bowl on his head. They wire the bowl to the machine, and then they cleverly put a piece of paper in the copy machine that reads, "He's lying." God. So you may know where this is going, Connor. Every time the suspect answered a question, a cop pressed a button. And what, what do you know? I'll a Xerox copy of he's lying. They show the documents to him and he confesses. And so then he's convicted and he gets a new lawyer. And uh, the lawyer um, says to the appellate court, you know, this was this was not right. Uh, what do you think the appellate court did with this appeal? wow uh you
1: know I have heard the the, the a variation or two on uh on this, this sort of story um in my and uh the the outcome is always the same uh which is to say the cops can lie to you the the the, the urban legends that people like to pass around about well I mean the the fundamental one that you all everybody heard in high school once or twice um, until everybody got became an adult, sort of scratching their head and said, "Wait, hold on, does that actually make any sense?" I was, "Oh, the the cops uh, have to tell you if they're a cop if you ask." Really, you think in an undercover cop situation that a, the gun asks the cop, "You're not, you're not a cop, right?" And the cop has to be like, "Well, I'm sworn to uphold the uh, the truth and justice in the American way, so I have to admit, yes, I am a police officer." Blammo, and he's dead. No, of course not. That's not how it works. Right. The cops can lie to you in lots of different circumstances. In fact, the law and their training and their police chiefs and everybody
0: else, they're encouraging them to lie to you constantly because it's a very effective tactic. I'm Uh, sensing I'm sensing you're, you're zeroing in on an answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm zeroing in on the fact that
1: they can do, you know. Uh, a, a wide variety of things to you when you're in police custody when they're they're questioning you unfortunately in my opinion i don't think the cops should be able to lie to you and in some countries like canada they and well some Provinces of Canada, I believe, they can't lie to you, and everything goes on swimmingly. The world works just fine. People get lots of convictions and confessions, and in, instead of the you know, being detained in, uh, by the police, being uh, this you know horrifically dangerous uh, scenario, uh, it's a little less dangerous for innocent or even you know average but guilty people uh, who you know are giving confessions. The vast majority of, of police you know, interrogations end with conves- confessions and convictions. They get the job done. They get what they need. And they'd often do it in other countries and provinces without having to lie to you and extract an unfair, a coerced confession out of you. And in my opinion, using you know, a fake lie detector machine that's giving you false results <laughs> is very likely to uh, to be one of those tactics that results in a false positive confession when one did not actually convict uh, commit the crime but then is forced to confess because they want a better plea deal they think they're
0: screwed so, so we've got your we've got your editorial now we now we need your guess <laughs> the guy goes down in flames the cops win it's tragic so i have good news and i have bad news uh-huh bad news is this did not help your betting average Oh, no. But the good news is you will be happy based on your opinion. Just yes. to know that the appellate court threw it out because they said you can't lie to the man like that. I love it. I love it. So there are
1: some constraints on the cop's power to lie. So, yeah, that warms the cockles of my heart. Uh, and that makes up for the, this loss. This is the happiest I've ever been losing uh, too many lawyers. Uh, I, I
0: knew that you'd see this show. overlining. Yeah, hey, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Many Lawyers.